Brian and Brett now on Sports Time is national college football writer for CBS Sports, Memphis native and Tennessee grad, who you can find on Twitter X at David W. Cobb. It's David Cobb. David Cobb joins us now, talk some college football and college basketball. Really busy weekend in college basketball, but I do want to start with uh, some news that happened late last week. I think Thursday or Friday the news came out, but this um, the the Big Ten and the SEC coming together as a uh, an alliance and uh, going to try to try to get some things right uh, with the NCAA. What did you make of that news coming out late last week, David? Hey guys, yeah, we'll see. It's, we've seen a lot of committees, a lot of boards, mm-hmm. a lot of alliances, a lot of partnerships, and a lot of nothing uh, when people have tried to get things done in the past. The difference, maybe this time, is that you're talking about the two most powerful conferences in college sports. And what's interesting is that uh, the composition of this uh, joint advisory panel between the Big Ten and the SEC. It's university chancellors, university presidents, athletic directors. So it's the same faces, the same people who have been trying to fix college sports uh, with no success for a really long time. Now, this time, are they willing to take the steps that are actually needed? And if they're going to fix college sports, they got to start with addressing whether or not uh, student athletes are going to be considered employees moving forward. That's what it all revolves around. You either embrace the future mm-hmm. or you continue to try and deny it. And we'll see if these uh, university presidents and chancellors are actually willing to embrace the future. I'm sure Greg Sankey from the SEC and Tony Petiti from the Big Ten are going to be nudging them pretty hard in that direction. David, that, that is exactly what Brian and I have said were the two big pressing issues. First thing they got to get worked out, eligibility and employment status. They've got to get that worked out. And then, and that's not going to be easy. And then a mountain of other very serious issues. One thing that might, anybody, in anything we know, it move it moves you faster when there's a deadline, and this might actually help. Is it after next year, or is it two years that we have no playoff contract, TV deal, nothing? We very easily could go back to. I don't think it will happen, but without something uh, decided, we could go back to. Big Ten and Pac, oh well, Pac doesn't exist. Big Ten goes to the Rose Bowl. SEC goes to the Sugar Bowl. Big Twelve goes to the Orange Bowl. I mean, we could go back to looking like the bowl alignment from 1980. We'll see. It's two years. You're right of the 12 team playoff, the way it's negotiated right now, and then they got to figure out what they're going to do after that. I think the windfall financially uh, from those contract negotiations for the future of the playoff after these two years. Uh, the, they're going to see the dollar signs, and they're going to see the monetary value associated with expanding the playoff, and I think they're going to keep running towards that. And so you could see, uh, you could see the 12-team thing uh, really start to flex its muscles this year when we get our arms wrapped around the value that it's bringing to, uh, you know, with the, the TV networks, ESPN in this case, you know, how much more money are they going to be making now in the 12-team uh, era that they're going to then disperse to the leagues? And you know, if that figure is, is astronomical, as a lot of people think it will be, then then I think they're going to keep moving in that direction. So, But uh, to your point, like, we could see the Big Ten and the SEC use their power and their leverage and their brand to sort of hog up uh, more of the uh, more of the spots and say, hey, you know what, um, uh, we're, we, we need guarantees that 
we're going to represent 66% of this field or what have you. I don't know. Uh, but uh, essentially with, with Greg Sankey and Tody Petiti trying to flex their muscles a little bit with this announcement last week, uh, it's kind of put the rest of college sports on notice to, hey, give these guys what they want in the playoff discussion uh, or else you might get squeezed out. I want no guarantee of any spot for anybody. I want the 12 best. If all 12 come from the Horizon League, take them. That, that would be great. Uh, how do you determine who is best, though, as we see in college? I have basketball. a committee. Mm. Yeah, I know, but these committees are so uh, – they, they have biases, and they uh, – one member of a committee prefers a different metric for success over another. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that we have automatic bids in the, uh, in the college football playoff moving forward because it guarantees access to somebody from every power league and then somebody from the uh, rest of the college now, football. Now, does, does Brian and I did our way, way, way too early, and I promise you, you can do Google searches on <laughs> what's the composition next yeah. year for the playoffs. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And we did it. Does, does the Mountain West, do they get the pack spot next year? Uh, I don't think so. As of now, though, until they change this, which I think they will, you've got uh, six automatic bids to the top six league champions. But now there's right. only four <laughs> legitimate leagues. So are they going to give uh, the AAC and the Mountain West or the AAC and the Sun Belt or the Mountain West and Conference USA a spot? Um, I think what they're going to end up doing is making it five automatic bids. So you'll guarantee that somebody from the Big 12, the a- the ACC, the SEC, and the Big Ten gets in by winning their league, and then you'll have one more team uh, from the what we used to call the group of five. I guess we can still call it that. Uh, it's definitely not the Power Five anymore now that the Pac-12 doesn't exist. But And that, that uh, could be now, Memphis. Yeah. It absolutely could be. And I thought it was interesting watching some of the interviews the Memphis players did after their Liberty Bowl win this year. I mean, that was right on the tip of the tongue of, of the players who were talking about uh, you know what they had accomplished this year, and, and they seem pretty adamant about the fact that they could be that group of five team next year, and and why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, they they've got a lot coming back, and and they've got a, a good good foundation after what they did this past season. Uh, David, I'm curious. One of the first things uh, you said after after our first question to you was about deciding if players are uh, are employees of the university. I'm seeing on uh, Twitter right now, or X, whatever you want to call it, um, that the uh, National Labor Relations Board uh, regional director in Region One, which is Boston, um, has issued on the ruling of Dartmouth te- uh, Dartmouth men's basketball that players are employees of Dartmouth. Dartmouth, uh, and they are now ordering a union election for Dartmouth basketball. What does that mean for college athletics in terms of the are they or are they not employees of a school? Well, it's one of several dominoes that are poised to fall, and it's not a a federal mandate from a a federal judge. That's going to be the ultimate domino, but the National Labor Relations Board still uh, has significant sway. And if they deem that college athletes can unionize, then that's going to have a, a pretty big ripple effect. So what we're, what we're ultimately building towards is that day where uh, the athletes can unionize and then collectively bargain, much like the NBA players, the MLB players, the NFL players, and certain standards will be set You know, for how much or what percentage of conference revenue and NCAA revenue and bowl revenue and college football playoff revenue what percentage of all that uh, goes to the athletes, and that'll be done through a union. A union will will in all likelihood negotiate that on behalf of the players. So that's 
what it all uh, is headed towards. And I'm sure that that Dartmouth ruling is, is going to be a part of that that precedent getting established. Brian, give me again that person's title with the National Labor Relations Board. Uh, hold on, let me let me pull it back up because uh, it was one more classic. Sure was uh, the National Labor Relations Board Regional Director in Region One, which is Boston. Boy, I bet he's a blast to hang out with. <laughs> it's quite the title, that's for sure. About like the folks that blocked the bridge Saturday. Mm, yeah. I hope I never meet them. Mm, yeah, that was uh, that was a mess over the weekend. Uh, David, were they that mad about Memphis basketball? Yeah, well, well, they were excited. That was after the win over Wichita State. So it was uh, <laughs> David. You, you say that, and, and and let's reverse everything. Let's say it had been. Let's say the Tigers lose to Wichita State, <laughs> and Bryant leads right. six, eight thousand oh, people. Be, I'd be first, number one, at a FedEx Forum, right. and blocks traffic both directions on one of the main arteries in the South. <laughs> Do you think anybody would have gotten arrested? <laughs> uh, well, if Memphis had lost to Wichita State, uh, I think a lot of people might have been getting arrested, and they they tried their best. <laughs> sure that was that was that was nuts. Uh, no, I missed that. I missed I missed the news. I, I need to I need to uh, get, get my commercial appeal app open or something. To figure out what's going on in the city. And what age did we all learn about don't play in traffic? <laughs> yeah, no yeah. kidding. I wouldn't. I, you wouldn't find me uh, uh, participating in that. But hey, you know what? People got incredible. Call they believe in. Yeah, there yeah. they go. To each is their own. Well, speaking of the Tigers, a two-point victory um, over Wichita State, a team that entered the day and, I guess, left Memphis with only one conference win. The game was on CBS, a nationally televised game. Tigers really struggled, made some shots late, played well really the last seven or eight minutes of the game to, to come back and get that win. But what were your biggest takeaways um, in really a, a not uh, exciting uh, or or impressive performance from the Tigers. Yeah, the fact that they got it done was was big. If you lose that game, it, it, it's completely over. Uh, the chance of getting an at-large bid at that point, they would have had to win out uh, during the regular season, in all in almost all likelihood. So, you know, they 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 held on to the rope for one more day. And Javon Quinterly, how about him hitting a big shot after being like zero for twelve? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, just that to have big. the confidence to take. That's right. I know, I know. And then uh, Malcolm Dandridge, I thought played really well again. So, you know, but but when you're an eleven point home favorite against a one in seven Wichita State team, uh, you shouldn't have to rally uh, that that furiously uh, in the final minutes like Memphis did. But man, David Jones again. I mean, how about all the players that left St. John's that have turned out to be just <laughs> awesome. Uh, you 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 could argue that uh, Rick Pitino ran off as good of a roster as he assembled yeah. uh, with all those guys. I mean, AJ Store has been awesome at Wisconsin. David Jones has been really really good uh, for Memphis. Posh Alexander went to Butler and is playing well. There's a handful of others too uh, who used to be on the St. John's team. But yeah, I mean it's it 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 gives Memphis life for another day. Uh, I just ultimately the way they're playing, it's hard to believe that. As momentous as that comeback was, that it's ultimately going to lead to anything greater because the flaws are still there, the defense is still a problem, and you know I, I didn't necessarily see anything in that game that made me think that Memphis turned a corner. And your colleague at CBS Sports, Jerry Palm, and regular guest with Greg and Eli on these airways for years on college football and college basketball today in his bracket. You know, you have the the verbiage of last four, first four, next four, et cetera, et cetera. He's got the Tigers at seventeen in the next grouping. It's the next seventeen you got to get down to. 
Yeah, that's about right. It sounds about right. Uh, the good thing is that, like, you see, like, last night, SMU beating UAB. Uh, SMU continues to be a little bit of a, of a sleeper-quality mm-hmm. team, and Memphis still has to go play them on the road. North Texas isn't terrible in the metrics, so there's still a chance that Memphis could have four quad-one games because, you know, both of the uh, Florida Atlantic games are probably going to be quad-one. And there's a pretty good chance that uh, going to SMU and North Texas will end up being quad one. Now, you know, maybe only two or three of them end up that way, but they've at least got a shot uh, to, to stay on the bubble and be, be in the mix. But uh, it's just they, they got to they start defending. And, you know, for, for a long time against Wichita State, they, they still weren't doing that. So that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to because, uh, I mean, they, they've got enough guys to make shots and, you know, sometimes the offense breaks down, um, and they're athletic enough to to get by. But until the defense uh, gets it together, I just don't see them making a lot of headway on that bubble. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a, a busy weekend in college basketball. We had four games between top ten teams um, on Saturday and, and Sunday, and one of them uh, included your alma mater, Tennessee, with a big road win in Rupp over Kentucky. Um, how big of a win was this for Tennessee, especially when you look and, and you had the games you got from Zakai Ziegler and Josiah Jordan-James? Oh, that was it. The supporting cast coming up big was, yeah. was huge for Tennessee because it's been a Dalton Connect show, <laughs> and that's been working pretty well. He's been awesome. He's oh, helped yeah. Tennessee a lot. But I think over Josiah Jordan James's uh, prior nine games before going to Rupp, he was shooting 12.5% from three and, and about 24% from the floor. And then he goes off for, uh, I think it was, what, 26 or, yeah. or what have you. I mean, that was unexpected, but it was huge. And then Ziegler being big. Santiago Vescovi continuing to be an unsung hero, too, having an mm-hmm. efficient game, getting the ball into the hands of the people who need it at the right time in the right place. So uh, that was as much of an indictment on Kentucky, though, as anything, because uh, those sure guys was. are struggling uh, defensively. And I know they didn't have D.J. Wagner, but he's not one of their better defenders, and they still gave up over 100 points. So uh, the Cats are, oh, man, uh, they're, they're hurting right now. I mean, they're still comfortably in the NCAA tournament field, but they are sliding back towards the middle of the pack in the SEC pretty quick. David, I know you're a happily married man, and I know Sarah loves you very much. I just wish somebody would love me like Milt Wagner loves John Calipari. <laughs> Louisville Cardinal through and through sent his, let his son go to Memphis to play John, for John Calipari. Louisville Cardinal through and through let his grandson go to Kentucky to play for John Calipari. Man, that is love, isn't it? Well, I'd rather him be at uh, Kentucky than Louisville right now. Uh, although Louisville got a big win over the weekend, putting up 100-plus. Uh, I don't know where that came from. But, uh, I mean, Louisville's uh, got it as bad as anybody in college basketball right now. So I think the Wagners made the right call there. But, yeah, no, it's it's amazing, uh, isn't it? Um, the fact that, that Milt Wagner was on Louisville's staff and D.J. Wagner uh, still ended up at, at Kentucky. So, uh, yeah, once they get him back, you know, they'll have a chance to make a run down the stretch. But, uh you know, he's out. They're still working Big Z in. After he had that big debut a couple weeks back, he hadn't really Yeah, I kind of forgot about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he, I think Cal did, too. He's sitting there at the end of the bench. Uh, so you know, That's not uh, all Cal I, forgot about doing Saturday. He forgot about doing his post-game radio show, and we, Brian and I talked at length about it uh, a little over an hour ago. It's real bad form, but that's him. He's the worst in defeat of anybody I've ever been around, and he only wants to talk and talk about how great he is in, in, in victory. And he like, and he, I think he really talks down to the Kentucky fan, the whole basketball Benny stuff, and and 
he just hadn't won enough to parade around like he does. No, he hadn't. I mean, they, they won the one national title, but it's been a long time since Kentucky's made a run. And everybody prematurely anointed this year's team a couple of weeks back. Always they do. Were, <laughs> they were on a heater, and, and maybe uh, some of that rat poison, uh, to use a Saban term, crept into the locker room a little bit there at Kentucky. It's still one of the most fresh. How's the wholesale dealer in rat poison? Yeah, and when you got a team full of freshmen, uh, you know they don't always know how to deal with that stuff. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not completely closing the book on Kentucky just yet, but uh, they got to they got to figure something out a little bit. He's got to get control of the situation. You know? they, they could be a six or seven seed. Yeah, they could. I mean, they could. They'd be a dangerous one. Like they're 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 really good offensively. They got a lot of talent. They can get hot and hit 15 threes on you, but. Uh, until they get it together a little bit more defensively, they're just, uh, they're just, you can't trust them to string together consecutive victories, which is what you have to do in March. So, uh, they, they are, uh, an enigma because they've been so good at times. They beat North Carolina on a neutral floor. North Carolina is one of the best teams in the country. Uh, but then they've lost to South Carolina, UNC Greensboro, and then, you know, played some other clunkers along the way as well. So, uh, you just don't know what you're going to get from them, and they're just really, really hard to trust, even though they, you can see all the talent out there. He, he's not going to do it. He's not going to leave. It's too financially advantageous for him to stay and just really make everybody more miserable. They're not going to fire him because it, it's not quite a Jimbo Fisher hit, but it, it's it's a big one. It's a, a big hit. They they could do it, but you got to pay the next staff too, and and it it would be a name that Kentucky fans would really want to rally around. But let's say there is some mutual resolution to step away and do it, you know, with the the you know with the big press conference. Do it at the, on the floor at Rupp Arena, and all's well. It ends well. You know, the time is just hit for both sides to part. If they did that, I don't think that's going to happen, but if they did that, David, who should be number one on Kentucky's wish list to be the yeah, next head coach? Got to be Nate, Nate Oates at Alabama. Uh, he's done such a good job there, and he's got them in the mix to win the SEC again this year. Uh, so I, I think Nate Oates should be the first call. You, you think he wouldn't love to go from a football school to a basketball school and have all those resources? Uh, man, uh, Alabama's offenses are really, really good, and their defenses are, are not bad either. And so you give him the chance to amass the talent that you can amass at Kentucky, I mean, he could he could have them back at, at machine status pretty quick. So I, I think I'd call Nate Oates first. All right. Don't, don't you think Nate Oates takes it even if you called him seventh? Hmm. <laughs> Probably. Now, it's always interesting in college basketball because there's this idea in college football where there's only so many jobs where you can actually win a national title, and maybe that's true. And it seems like a lot of times coaches are willing to jump to do anything to get to that place where they can win a national title in football. But oftentimes you see coaches in college basketball say, you know what, no, I can build something here. Scott Drew has decided to stay at Baylor and build something there. Yeah. Mark Few, uh, with all the success he's had at Gonzaga, has decided to stay at Gonzaga and try to get them over the national title hump. And you look around, Tony Bennett at Virginia, another example. All these coaches at places where uh, you might you know, you might say, oh, you can't win a national title there, and they choose to stay and build it there. So does Nate Oates feel that type of way about Alabama? Eh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know what it, what he thinks about the Kentucky job, but I know it would be awfully hard to turn down if it, if it came open because, you know, you just go from being uh, number number two in your own town to – being number one in the whole state, and uh, I think that would be that would be really attractive. 
if I were Kentucky, very back channel, very surreptitious, very clandestine, I would reach out and make sure. I think he's going to say no and maybe slam the door in your face. But, you know, as best you could ask him, look, don't, don't, don't let this get out and a bunch of people get big raises off of us, which he probably would because all the coaches live by rising tide lifts all boats. And I don't blame them for that fraternal feeling. But if I'm Kentucky, I would have to ask, and everybody that we talk to says he would slam the door in their face. I've got to see the, the temperature on Brad Stevens. Why not, right? At least, at least make the call. I mean, the guy did wonders at, at Butler and then has been a big part of the Celtics franchise for a long time. So, yeah, why not? Absolutely. Swing for the fences. You're Kentucky. You're one of the best jobs I, in the country. I got a second swing for the fences. Are you ready? Yeah. If he had never left, he would have been bigger than Rupp. Rick Patino. Mm. <laughs> now, that one, uh, not. I mean, it would be amazing. I don't know if I could see it, though. My man is is uh, over 70 now, and I think he's right where he needs to be. Uh, yeah, but hair dye makes you look young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these college basketball coaches, I'll tell you what, man, they they, they use that stuff. Like, Yeah, man, they do. Uh, they, <laughs> they like to look good. They know they're on but, TV. <laughs> and, 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 and I think you've got to check the temperature on Chris Beard before landing. on Nate, Nate Oates is going to take it if he's the 29th choice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and Bruce Pearl, too. Why not? Like, I, Why I not? I wondered whether Tennessee might call Bruce if, if Rick Barnes were to retire in the next couple of years. Not that Bruce is a spring chicken, but hmm. you know, he's, he's seven or eight years younger than, than Rick. You know, and uh, Everything that happened at Tennessee is so far in the past now uh, that maybe maybe uh, maybe they would do that. So, What if we know, live uh, long enough to see Pearl and Lane return to Tennessee? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that would be uh. incredible. Now, you know, we got to make sure the, uh, the NCAA doesn't try to put the Tennessee Athletic Department out of business first, but... Uh, Assuming they don't, then then that's certainly possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last thing for you, David, uh, real quick. One of the other big games over the weekend: Houston and Kansas, another top ten matchup. First off, shame on Vegas for ever having um, a a road team uh, at Allen Fieldhouse be the favorites. Um, no chance that should ever happen. But Kansas gets the big win at uh-huh. home, and uh, Johnny Furphy. I mean, it seems like. Every time he takes the court, he looks better than the time before. Is he the biggest story right now for Kansas, especially with the lack of production from guys like Nick, uh, Nick Timberlake, who you brought in from the transfer, uh, yeah. a lot of talk about, and then even El Marco Jackson, the five-star freshman that you brought in? Yeah, no doubt. He's been a difference maker, and he's really come on strong as of late. He really should be uh, in high school, senior year of high school right now, just based off wow. of his age. Yeah. You can see it when you, when you look at him. He's just such a young guy. <laughs> Uh, but he's he's coming into his own. He's looking like an NBA prospect out there mm-hmm. at a time, you know, when the draft class is a little weak, and uh, he's he's playing his way up that draft board. Uh, he's that dynamic wing shot maker. He still looks a little lost defensively at times. It's still like the game goes a little fast for him on the defensive side. But he's got a deep bag on offense, as they say. So, uh, yeah, he's he's coming on strong, and that's what Kansas needed. Now they still need more from their bench. But at sure. least like the other night, you saw like. Parker Brown hit a big three. You saw El Marco Jackson like throw a nice alley oop, uh, mm-hmm. spark type of play. So if they can just get something like that, a little bit of a contribution from their bench, uh, then it makes a world of difference for Kansas. And then, yeah, I mean, for the longest time we were calling them a four man team. It was Dewan Harris, Kevin McCullough, KJ Adams, and Hunter Dickinson. Well, yeah. now all of a sudden you got that fifth guy in Johnny Furphy, and and uh, you know you're, you're at least getting a little bit, a little bit off the bench, and so. What they did against Houston was unbelievable, shooting 68.8% from the Crazy. floor. 
against one of the best defenses uh, of the last you know quarter century in college basketball. That was unreal, and it, it put Kansas right back in that national title conversation. Yeah, no, and they're back in action tonight on the road at Kansas State uh, for Big Monday, so it'll be fun to, to see what they can do in a road game in the Big 12. But, David, as always, thanks so much for joining us. We'll do it again next week. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks, David. David Cobb, he joins us every single Monday from CBS Sports, talks some college football and college basketball. Well, let's grab a quick break, and when we come back, we'll stick with the topic of college basketball, talk some bracketology with Shelby Mass from BracketWag.com. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you in our family leisure studios and really excited for our next guest, Shelby Mass from BracketWag.com. Joins us every year around this time to talk bracketology with the tournament just right around the corner. We'll be here before you know it. Shelby, thanks so much for joining us. I always look forward to talking brackets with you. And looking at your bracket earlier today, you have the Memphis Tigers on the 11 seed, playing Virginia in a play-in game in Dayton. Uh, what, in your opinion, has given Memphis kind of that wiggle room to keep them on the bracket after losing four of their last five? Uh, they had a pretty tough early season schedule, non-conference. That they seemed to play a lot of really good teams mm-hmm. and either won or hold their, held their own. They did really well, but... Man, I had them up to a two seed not too long ago, and they the bottom's falling out. Wow, you sure did, Shelby. You, you you you've been very strong on the Tigers all year. You you were in in the very early bracket reveals, and as you just said, got them all the way to a two, and it did start. The bottom fell out, starting with the twenty point lead. Uh, given, given, given away against South Florida at home. Uh, Saturday broke the losing streak, but you still have them in there. You made a great point today, and I told Brian this before we started today in your commentary on your bracket reveal today that you make the point there that there aren't a lot of games remaining for everybody. There's only nine to ten games left. I mean, we're we're getting down to the the, the last days of this season, regular season. Yeah. It's crunch time, and not too many people realize it. Everybody says, "Well, there's a lot, of, a lot of basketball left." Well, there is, but not for each team. They yeah. only got you know nine, ten. Some of them have as few as seven left. So you got to get it right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I saw, uh, speaking of, you had Memphis as a two seed before this just uh, epic collapse that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Right now you have Tennessee as a two seed after their big win uh, at Rupp over the weekend. Uh, what can they do? Can they do enough with, with so few games left? Can they do enough to get up to the one seed, or do you think two seed is pretty much maxed out for Tennessee? Well, I think they can, but not by themselves. They need help right. from a one seed to lose a few games. Uh, probably the best bets are Purdue or North Carolina because they're in weaker conferences mm-hmm. and it would be a, probably a bad or mediocre loss. Houston and UConn are going to play tough games down the stretch, so probably not them. But Purdue or UNC could uh, 
moved down, and if Tennessee keeps winning, that, that might put them up there. Your four number one seeds, UConn, the defending national champ, Purdue that entered the tournament last year as a one seed, Houston with Kelvin Sampson always turning in great work, and North Carolina, no shocker with them. I, I, I think that probably holds uh, for the ones. Who's the shakiest of the ones? Houston? I Maybe. They, I mean, losing at Kansas, that, there's no shame in that. No. And the first year of the Big 12, and they're they're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. If I had to put money on it, it'd probably be Purdue, but they're not showing any signs of it. Right. All right. Who who could be? I don't think any of those ones are. I, I don't know if any of the twos could be this. Who's a three or four that could pull? Over the next three weeks, what the Memphis Tigers have pulled over the last two and a half, three weeks. Do you see, do you see a, a bottoming out for Bama or Creighton or, or Wisconsin? Any, anybody like that could, could have the same fate to hit the Memphis Tigers? Well, Baylor has, had lost three in a row. Now they've won two in a row, but that second win was kind of iffy and they got, uh, help from the officials call off a three-pointer at the buzzer that would have been four losses in five games. Uh, they they seem a little shaky to me. I have them at a four line, but I'm not real comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. We, 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 I, I've been tough on Kentucky today. Could they be a team that went from – right now you have them as a four – our previous guest, David Cobb, and by the way, Shelby, we're going to have you pick uh, Super Bowl 58 as well. David Cobb weighed in with Kansas City 27-20, to 20, so we got mm. David's pick. After I said all last week, don't let me forget to get the picks. I Can't forgot to get the pick, but we'll get yours as well, Shelby. Uh, I've been rough on Kentucky, and I said they could fall to six or seven. They've got a lot of uh, meat left on the bone in the SEC. Yeah, they do. Their, their biggest problem is that they've been injured. They, I, I don't know when the last game was they played where they had their full roster available. So if they can get all the guys healthy that have been out, I really think there's a team to keep an eye on. But can they get healthy? Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing one of another local team here uh, in Memphis, Ole Miss, you have on the eight line right now. What have you thought of, of Chris Beard's first season in Oxford, doing a really solid job down there? And, and how high do you think, if, if Ole Miss continues playing well, how high do you think they can get before Selection Sunday? Uh, I think Beard has done a great job. Kind of, it's kind of expected for him. Yeah. He's done fantastic at Texas Tech and at Texas. Uh, he's had a real weak non-conference schedule, so that's going to hurt him some. Mm-hmm. But I think they could get up to a six or fall to an eleven. There's not a lot of respect for the teams that play re- real weak out of conference schedule. Right. Yeah, and he was—he really kind of na- navigated that with a lot of breaks, including uh, a, a road game at Temple uh, the night before Thanksgiving. And Memphis plays at Temple this week, this coming Thursday. But he has done a really good job. I expected him, okay, maybe not to start like he did with the undefeated against that non-conference schedule, but I expected him to go to the tournament year one. And, and Brian, you can vouch. I always said Dennis Gates did it last year. Chris Jans did it last year in year ones. And I think both places really were tougher jobs to turn around than what Chris Beard inherited. Mm -hmm. I I, kind of expected him in there in, in that, 10, 11 seed range, Shelby? 
Yeah, I'm not really surprised at all. I mean, he can just flat out coach. And as long as he can stay clean off the off the court, then they they got a good coach. But that remains to be seen after what happened to Texas. Mm-hmm. Talking to Shelby Mass uh, from BracketWag.com. He joins us to talk bracketology. Go check out uh, his most recent bracket at BracketWag.com. Your last four in, we talked about the Tigers, Mississippi State, Washington State, Memphis, and Virginia. Your last four in. When you look at those four teams, who most likely out of that group does not make the tournament as an at-large? Is it that Memphis team that we talked about earlier? It could be Memphis. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Washington State. I, I like what they've done, uh, but there's not a lot of meat that they have, you know, done so far. Uh, they've but been well enough to get where they're at right now. But will they be able to keep it up over the next few weeks? I'm, you know, with their lack of uh, experience and all that, mm-hmm. that kind of worries me for them. Shelby, I just can't stay up that late to keep an eye on them. I'm going to have to depend on you to do it for me. That's what I'm here for. Okay, very good. All right, Shelby Mass with us from BracketWag.com, and we ask you this every year that you've joined us. Tell us what WAG stands for. Wild ask you. There you go, and you're always honest about that. We do love how you lay it out, the format, how you lay it out. Do you lay it out feel, uh, F-E-E-L, do you lay it out me, uh, all the analytics, all the metrics. Are you are you married to Torvik or Eric Haslam or or uh, uh, Jerry Palm or uh, uh, Joe Lenardi? Where, where where do you go for your information? Does the net matter that much to you, or is it all in a big old pot and you just stir it up and let it fly? It's kind of like that, but I do rely on the net quite a bit. I go to WarrenNolan.com. For any college basketball fan, that is the site to, to yep. bookmark check every day. Uh, and I consider Warren a good personal friend. Uh, but, but without that site, I'd, I'd be lost. Uh, I, I can't rely on the NCAA to do it, update it regularly. So, uh, but that all the analytics, uh, Eric, I like Eric Haslam. He's a good guy. Uh, Bart Torvik, I don't know him. I know his site. But I, you know, if the NCAA doesn't use it, I'm not going to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and your buddies with all, all the bracketologists, like Dave, bracket guy Dave Oman, and y'all get when, when do y'all get together and y'all have y'all's collaboration before Selection Sunday? We're going this year to Omaha, Nebraska, March first through third. We're going to have a, our collaboration out there, and then the Friday before the bright the. Early season reveal, we're going to have a Zoom call and get our uh, top four seeds for each region then. Mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm curious, talking about you know teams that, that could get in, that need to do some work, stuff like that. Me and Brett were talking earlier about you know teams that could go in, maybe not a lot of people talking about them, these mid-major teams that could go in and surprise some teams. Who's a team that you've seen that you have in your bracket right now that you think could go out there, a mid-major team that could go out there and upset somebody that people should watch over this next month and a half? Uh, well, I wouldn't, not really saying it would be an upset unless you just don't follow basketball. But Grand Canyon and Mimi State are oh, both yeah. very Two good ones. Uh, I'm not a very good talent evaluator, but I hear they have NBA talent on their rosters. So, and, you know, Grand Canyon was there last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mimi State has not been, but they got the 
Shelby, there's so much about your site I love. And this year, since we host that first weekend, four games on Friday to that following Sunday, uh, we, we're keeping a close eye on on, on the on the cities, on, on the various pods. How much are you trying to nail the pods? Are you just kind of putting teams there to fill it out? Are you trying to nail the pods? Or I know the first and foremost thing you want to nail is the bracket. Right. I, I go through every Friday. Uh, I spend most of the afternoon going through, and I you know base everything on what the NCAA does about how they play teams in pods, who, you know, who they can and can't play first or second round. And I try to match up what I think they'll do. So mine is I try to be as accurate as possible throughout the whole bracket. And right now in the Memphis pod, you have the three Alabama playing the 14 Eastern Washington, the six Texas Tech playing the 11 St. Mary's, the one seed Houston playing the 16 seed South Dakota State in and last time we saw Houston in Memphis was a buzzer beater last year against the Tigers. Sure they they would be playing South Dakota State number eight Clemson. Last time we saw them in Memphis, the Tigers had that great win in December, yep. and they would be playing the nine Nebraska. So that would be some good variety. And I think I think Alabama would bring the crowd. We'll see about the pod and how they try to do it to to sell tickets. All right, Shelby, we're going to visit every Monday through the through the Monday of the national championship game, but today we do want your Super Bowl 58 pick. I'm, I'm going to go Kansas City 34, uh, San Francisco 24. I'm, I'm still right. sore. I, you know, sports grudges last a lifetime. I was watching when Dwight Clark made the catch against the Cowboys. Mm. I still dislike San Francisco because of that. Shelby, that's only 42 years ago. Man, we got to start letting it go, but I'm with you. I never forget. No. We never forget. I can tell you where I was that day watching that game. Shelby, we're going to do it every Monday yeah. from here on out, and we sure appreciate you, my friend, and we'll be following at BracketWag.com. Thanks, Shelby. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. You got it. Shelby Mass joining us to talk bracketology from bracketwag.com. Head over to his site and has it broken down very easily um, and, and explains it all very, very well over at bracketwag.com. Well, we need to get to a break. Let's take our break. And on the other side, it'll be time for Big Number of the Day. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Brad, I say we switch it up a little today and have you go first. Uh, Saturday at the Tiger game, the official voice, the big number of the day. He didn't. He didn't ask for any royalties, did he? No, no, he did not okay. ask me for any royalties, which is good. good. 
Good, good deal. Uh, Jay Morgan Harder, I saw y'all on TV. Yes, we had very good seats. I was uh, I was blocked, I believe, most of the day um, by heads, but that's okay. I'd rather yeah. not be on camera. I knew you were there. I can see your hat. <laughs> yes. I yes. knew you were there. My big number is 30. Okay. On planet Earth, there are, walking the Earth, there's 30 people that have won a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. Wow. Tom Brady may well be on another planet with all he's won. Uh, four aren't with us. Bart Starr, Lynn Dawson, Johnny Unitas, and Ken Stabler, all, all deceased. Thirteen with multiple wins. Brady with seven. Montana Bradshaw with four. Aikman with three. Starr, Roethlisberger, Greasy, Elway, Plunkett, Staubach, Mahomes, and the Manning boys with two each. Wow. That shows you where Mahomes can get Sunday. Sure does. He can join Troy Aitman. That's uh, that's pretty good that's company. That's amazing. There's a lot of football left. A lot of football left. A lot Only of back 30 men on earth Crazy. can say I've won a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. That's insane. That's a that's amazing. It's hard to state. believe. And, and I read a great art article, and I want to give the credit to L.A. Times writer Sam Farmer, Wrote a great piece. Brad Johnson is trying to, trying to spur a, a, a movement. You know, we got Hall of Fame jackets. We got, sure. uh, we got Augusta National. We got a lot of, jackets, a lot of jackets in sports. Yes. He wants to come up with a jacket for those Super Bowl winning quarterbacks to, they're, they're all always invited to the game to right. wear at the game and have the, 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 like if you won one, have one Lombardi trophy over right. the lapel pocket. Ooh. Brady's would look like General Patton. <laughs> I mean, it would just look silly uh, beside the rest of them. I mean, Might have to go to the lapel <laughs> for, for, for for all the the, the oh little Lord. Lombardi trophies. That'd be great, though. Mahomes I mean, is getting there. He oh, yeah. is getting there. And a lot of football left. A lot of football left. And you can never count out the Chiefs. They've been uh, they've been really, really good. I have a couple of big numbers today. Um, and one of them actually includes Patrick Mahomes. So I'll start right there um, with old Patrick. Um, my big number is six. Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs has gone six consecutive postseason starts without throwing an interception. That is just incredible, That's especially amazing. with how good these defenses All are those plays. in the NFL. Unbelievable. That is the longest streak ever by a starting quarterback in the playoffs. That is just that's Don't give it to the other team. No. You, you're, you're way ahead of the game if yes. you do that. And that's, I mean, when you want to look at how have, have the Chiefs been so successful in postseason play? That is a stat that you can point right to and say, our starting quarterback is not giving the ball up, and we are not turning it over. And that has been uh, really, really big uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll go to my Good next one. big number. I'm excited about this one. Okay. This one's just a silly big number. Let it fly. 25. Okay. It's my next big number. This is a basketball big number. The Utah Jazz are the only... NBA team in the last 25 years to outscore their opponent by 25 or more points in the fourth quarter while using the same five players for the entire quarter. That is what the Utah Jazz did last night against the Houston Rockets. Uh, excuse me, against the Milwaukee Bucks. 40 to 13 was the score for that quarter in the fourth quarter. And the only players to play for the Utah Jazz, Jordan Clarkson, Keontae George, Walker Kessler, Lori Markinen, 
Kelly Olenek. That's a great, great incredible. Stat. That's hard to do. That is. Score that many <laughs> points, play that good defense. Who is your worst Super Bowl winning quarterback? When you think, oh man, he, he won a Super Bowl. Good question. Brad Johnson is the lowest drafted. Yeah. Was Even Trent Dilford? Was y'all think about Trent Dilford would Trent could, up would there. be on a lot of lists. I might have to go with Trent Jeff Hostetler. Oh, that's bad. All, all he really did was yes. hand it to O.J. Anderson. Yes, that's another good He one. made a couple of passes in that game and yeah. made one to Mark Ingram's dad late in that game. Yeah. Interesting. Really? I, really? Yeah. Uh, those but he by no means was a different. But that, that was a defensive sure. running the ball win for the Giants. Yeah, for sure. Certainly who, a lot more playmakers at the quarterback. Who position. would be your coach that would stand out and go, Super Bowl winner, huh? Ooh, that's a good question. Can't even think of one off the top of my head. Most of them don't get tagged with that. Uh-huh. Most of them. That's the thing, yeah. M- most go to the Hall of Fame yeah. or, or will go. Uh-huh. Sean Payton will go. Sure. Uh, yeah. Brian, of course, Belichick will go. Sure. Here's one, and it's kind of a sad case. He was yeah. the coach of the Colts. After Don Shula, Don Shula took the Dolphins, okay. and he became the coach of the Colts, Don McCafferty, and they won Super Bowl five at the buzzer with Jim O'Brien field goal. And then he didn't – He had, I think he had tough next year or two. Uh-huh. And it was a vet, really veteran-laden team. John Mackey was old. Johnny U was old. Yeah. Tom Addy was old. Yeah. They're all old. And that was kind of the end of the line for him. Billy Ray Smith retired after that game. Yeah. Uh, Bubba Smith was getting old. And – the next year or two in Baltimore was rather tough for him, and then he took either got fired. We ended up with Detroit and had had a heart attack, like at fifty seven, oh, wow. fifty eight years old. So you know, he, you know, he didn't get to sure. you know to shine up the resume anymore. Right. Interesting. I, what about like uh, I'm thinking of just like NFL coaches that just were plopped into the right situation. And I think of like Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer. Switzer. And that's, that's Bingo. And, and but I, a great coach. Sure. It just wasn't in the NFL. Absolutely. Yeah, he was and, a great coach. And I coach. think of like, you know, Jerry Jones said after that Super Bowl that anybody could have won. 500. Yeah. I mean, anybody could have won with that, that roster and that Barry Switzer just happened to do it. So that's probably up there for me. George Seifert kind of got that uh, with the yeah, 49ers. Yeah. And, and he's, he's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't know that he's going to get in. Mm-hmm. He probably should because sometimes in any sport, coaching or managing yeah. in baseball, that galaxy of stars, that, that's, that's harder than it looks. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Because if you want to get on to Jerry Rice, you got to call his agent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awful. It's the truth. It really is. Um, no, but there's a couple. But again, like you said. Brian Billick with the Ravens. Ooh, uh, yeah, and, that's and he, a really good and, one. And he was an offensive guy. Yeah. They didn't win that one on offense. Mm, they rode yeah. it right, riding Ray Lewis. Yeah, no, that was the, that was the defense. Legendary defense. That, uh, that Ed Reed. That one. Yep. Yeah, no, that was a, a really, really good and, defense. And, and, and Billick, he, he, he his idea of himself was certified genius. <laughs> really? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He actually great. did. That's great. Had a big value of himself. Mm. Well, hey, you know, Brett, that happened. Well, you I should. Guess. You want a you Super should. Bowl. You want a Super Bowl. With Trent Dilfer. Uh, Mike, With Trent Dilfer. Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl. 
Um, and, and Brandon Stokely is your wideout. <laughs> Man, Yikes. what a team. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a couple of coaches in there for sure that I would, uh, that I would put up had, there. Had Shannon Sharp at tight end though for those Ravens teams. Good yeah. And he Sharp could flat was, go. He was unbelievable. In well, the Raiders game, he went off. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Well, before we get to a break, let me remind you about Goldcrest 51 beer. It's back and better than ever. Monday, today, you can go and get it for the first time in 60 years. Goldcrest beer began as a brand of Memphis owned Tennessee Brewing Company in 1906. Uh, it was the brewery's premium brand made with the best ingredients to be found. Shortly after prohibition ended in 1933, they changed the name to Goldcrest 51 Beer to note the brewery's 51st year of operation. When the brewery cr- closed in 1954, over 3 billion bottles of Goldcrest 51 had been produced. Goldcrest was Memphis beer, and it is again. Today, you have the opportunity to sip on a cold Goldcrest 51 beer for the first time in over 60 years. Today's Goldcrest 51, it's based on the original recipe, a unique flavor unlike any other beer on the market. Goldcrest 51 beer is made in a time-honored way that creates a brew full of, of great flavor, but it's not too heavy. It's a light beer with great taste. Try one for yourself and enjoy the original Memphis beer. And like I said, today's the day you can go out and get it. Go um, to your store, ask for it, go to your bar, ask for it, uh, and ask for Goldcrest 51 beer. If they don't have it, they should, but I guarantee you, they will have it. Well, we need to wrap up this hour and get to a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk Grizzlies to Michael Cole from the Commercial Appeal. He joins us next. Welcome to the Rendezvous. 